So we are uh, kicking off a new series today, and just the way that the preaching calendar worked out, I'm going to be doing part one today, and then Pastor Bravone is going to be coming and doing a one-part message next week called The Plan, and then we'll jump back into this series the following week. But I'm excited to get into this because what we're going to be doing is looking through the Bible at some different imagery. All throughout the Bible, you find different stories that are told in a really awesome visual way, and we're going to kind of study some of those over the next several weeks. Um, I don't know how you guys do with just being stuck. Ever been stuck somewhere? I have a couple examples of some animals and some people that were stuck. I'll just check out this first one. I think that is uh, the perfect place for a cat. Right there. I'm going for that, right? All right, next one. Yeah, this guy. You know someone dared him to get in that. And I'm just telling you, if anyone ever comes to you with this dare, says, I bet you can't fit in there, you just simply respond, you're right, I can't, and you walk away. Okay, I'm just telling you right now, that's the right response. Next one. Yeah. Oh, little guy stuck on the toilet. Wait about 30 years till he has kids of his own. That's going to become his favorite room in the house, right? Won't be able to get him out of there, right? Only place of privacy and peace. Next one we're going to understand with Long Island traffic. Uh, stuck in traffic, why not put a hammock from your door to the side of a bridge? Why not, right? We all have one of those handy. And this one's my favorite, not because the horse is stuck, but because the cow is photobombing the picture. <laughs> is that great or what? It's amazing, right? And so we get stuck sometimes. My little guy, Cade, uh, he's 12 now, but when he was like just probably not even one yet, he became like the Houdini of getting out of his crib at night. And so we'd be in bed, he'd be in his crib, we'd think we're good. Next thing you know, he's coming running into our room. And so one night, we thought he was good to go, and all of a sudden we hear this crying, and, crying, and then the crying turned into screaming. We're like, what is going on? And as we're running to him, we realize he's screaming, I talk. I talk. He's trying to tell us he's stuck. We opened the door. He'd gotten one leg over the side of the crib and then couldn't go anywhere. And so he's just completely stuck on the side of the crib. So we just closed the door and went back to bed. No, of course we helped him get down. But I think that's a picture of some of us in our relationship with God sometimes. Sometimes we just feel stuck. We feel like we don't know how to move forward. We feel like we don't really maybe have much motivation to move forward. It's like, I know I should get closer to God, but I don't know how motivated I am. I don't know how much incentive I have. If you think about it, maybe some of us in the room would even say, you know, I've been kind of where I am as as a Christian right here in this spot, and it feels like I've been stuck here for a really long time. I haven't grown much. I haven't gotten much closer to God. Uh, Maybe some of you are growing, and that's awesome. I want to continue to inspire that today. Maybe some of you aren't even followers of Jesus here in the room, and you're checking things out, and you're kind of not sure why you would want to be a Christian or why God calls us to a relationship with him. How do you get in that relationship? What does it look like? And so we're going to kind of look at all that here today. But if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've looked at your Bible recently and just sort of thought, nah, you know? Maybe you've been scrolling through your phone, kind of looking for something to do, play some Angry Birds or something, you know, and, and you scroll past that Bible app and it's like, nah, maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe some of you guys, you've had the thought on, on a lunch break at work, I could hang out and talk with my friends, I could grab some lunch, or maybe I could just like go and just go on a prayer walk, man. Go drive to the beach, just sit for a half hour and just pray, and then it's like, yeah, maybe tomorrow. You just kind of put it off. Maybe some of us in the room, we can relate to the being the guy or the girl that wakes up on a Sunday morning, and you have hit snooze on your alarm clock so many times that you're narrating what's going on in the service now. <laughs> like, oh, I slept so late, the blonde guy's leading worship, Doug just made another ball joke, okay, snooze, back to bed, right? So sometimes it's that motivation isn't there to go any deeper. And so today, I want to challenge us, whether you are like a strong Christian, and you know like Greek and Hebrew, and you are deep in God's word, great. 
I want to challenge you to go deeper. If you are a new Christian and this is new to you, I want to challenge you to go deeper. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to take a step to trust Jesus today. And so we're going to look over the next several weeks at just this sort of imagery that we see throughout the Bible. Imagery is visual Visually descriptive language. It's word pictures, and the Bible's full of this. And it's some of my favorite passages in the Scripture because you get into these, these, these different chapters, and you're like, all right, it says something here about like a vine and a branch, but I don't really think it's talking about a vine and a branch. I think there's something behind this. What does this mean? And so we're going to kind of jump into that for the next several weeks, and it's going to be incredibly relevant to our lives because we're going to grow in our relationship with God. And today, I want to just challenge us to look at a really awesome passage of Scripture. It's a little bit confusing, but I think that we can get through it, we can understand it, and it apply to our lives, and I think it'll motivate us and challenge us to go deeper in our relationship with God. I want to give you some motivation. You know, I want to, I want to encourage you with this thought today. God doesn't call us deeper just for the sake of it. You know? Like, he's not like, yo, I really wish you'd go deeper in your relationship with me. Just because. He doesn't do that. He gives us all this incentive, all these incredible motivations. And so if you're coming here today saying, I know I should get closer to God. I should read my Bible more. I should pray more. I should share my faith more. I should hang out with Christians more. I should come to church more. I should join a small group. I should volunteer. All these things. Today, I want you to see why those things are important. God gives us incredible incentive in his word. And in this imagery that we're going to look at today, in these word pictures we're going to see today, We're going to hopefully get some powerful motivation. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, again, I think you're going to get this question answered. Why get close to God? Why have a relationship with him? Why does that matter? Why is it important? And so we're going to look at a a book of the Bible that's not preached out of all that much, but this is such a cool chapter of the Bible. It's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And it's actually in the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, you get all these awesome word pictures. You get all this imagery. You get all these really cool word pictures that show us some pretty neat things once we dive into it. Ezekiel was a priest. He lived about 600 years, or rather he wrote Ezekiel about 600 years before Jesus came. So that's almost 2,600 years ago. Now here's what you need to know about Ezekiel for this to make a little bit more sense. Ezekiel and a lot of the people of Israel had been taken from their nation and they were in exile in Babylon. They were taken as prisoners in Babylon. God was doing some discipline in their lives, trying to wake up the nation. And Ezekiel was a loner. Okay? You ever been a loner? You ever been the person in the group that tries to stand up to do the right thing and no one in the group cares? No one in the group wants to do it. Some of you are like, no, I'm the other person in the group. All right? But some of us in the room, we know what that's like to say, wait, wait, this isn't right. Or wait, shouldn't we do things God's way? Or we try to stand up for the truth, and everyone in the group's like, nah. So here is Ezekiel, you ready? Not only physically stuck in a place he doesn't want to be, but he's looking at his nation who is spiritually stuck in a place he doesn't want them to be. He's, he's kind of going, wake up, people. Come on. Let's go deep in our relationship with God. And everybody's basically saying, nah, we're good, Ezekiel. And in this, Ezekiel gets this awesome imagery from God. God gives him some imagery of hope. Now, here's what we have to understand about Ezekiel, okay? And this is a little bit deep, but hang in there. It's okay. Uh, Some of the things that Ezekiel sees are things that people still believe haven't happened yet, are going to happen like in the last days, okay? And I'm okay with that. That's all right. If some of the things we're going to read about today... God does in the last days, awesome, that's up to him, okay? But what we're also going to see here are some things that God showed Ezekiel that have already happened and God's still wanting to do in your life and my life. 
okay? So sometimes when you look at like prophetic imagery in the Bible, some of it has already happened and yet it still will happen. It's really cool how God does that. And you see that all throughout scripture. And so we're gonna see some of that today, all right? Now there's a man who's kind of showing Ezekiel all these different images. And we're not sure if the man, so to speak, in this passage is God or an angel. But either way, it's God showing some really cool things. So in Ezekiel 47, verse 1, the nation of Israel stuck. Ezekiel's feeling frustrated that others are stuck. And here's what we see. The man, who is either God or the angel, brought me back to the entrance to the temple. Now let me say this as we read this first verse. It's a little bit confusing, and it kind of feels like at the end of it you're going to go, who cares? But just hang, hang in there, okay? So the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. So let's just stop there for a second. This is imagery. This is a word picture. You should be seeing this in your mind. Are you picturing a temple? Are you picturing from underneath this temple a river or water flowing out? The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south Side. Okay, so you go, so what? Who cares? What's all this about? Well, our best understanding of what this is about, like I said, some people believe that in the last days there will be a literal temple and a literal river, and that's fine. If God, again, if God wants to do that, awesome. But I think what Ezekiel is driving at is, as, or rather, God is driving at is as, as Ezekiel is feeling stuck, is this message of hope, because in this, the water trickling out from underneath the temple represents two things. The gospel represents that Jesus was going to come and rescue his people, that he was going to come and die on a cross and forgive sins. And it also represents the fact that the Holy Spirit was going to be at work in our lives. It's this image of like a flowing river that was going to make a difference. And so maybe the, the, the water coming out is the message of the gospel advancing, but it's also the work of the Holy Spirit, not just thousands of years ago, but in your life and in my life as well. So let's get a little bit more practical here. Verse three, as the man went eastward, remember, picture this, this is imagery. He went eastward with a measuring line. So just picture, he's got this huge tape measure in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. So this water, again, it represents the gospel. It represents the message of Jesus, but it also represents the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is probably an image of the message of Jesus starting to spread throughout the world, okay? And as we know, first it went to the Jews, right? But for you and I, I think this is also today a picture of where some of us are in our relationship with God. We're sort of ankle deep, so to speak, okay? Looking into the things of God, growing in our relationship with God, understanding more of the Holy Spirit. We're kind of ankle deep. Maybe some of us in the room, that's where we are right now. We're kind of new at this. We're kind of finding our way a little bit. Maybe you've been a Christian a month six months, a year, and you're kind of just ankle deep and you're hungry for more, but that's just sort of where you are right now. You're beginning to maybe experience some of the peace of God in your life. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. I've never had peace before. Maybe some of the joy of God in your life. Maybe you're starting to read scripture and it's starting to click a little bit. And you're kind of ankle deep. Then he goes on. Again, picture this in your mind. Verse four, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. Okay, so the river is growing, it's, it's, it's rising, right? And so here in this, again, we have the spread of the gospel is, is growing, it's expanding, more people maybe back, you know, at the time of Jesus were gonna put their trust in him. But today, here and now, maybe this is where some of us are. 
Maybe we've been followers of Jesus a little bit longer now, and it's kind of like we're up to our knees now, and so we're a little bit more hungry for the scripture. We're a little bit more hungry for the word of God. We're hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. We're beginning to pray prayers like this. God, lead my life. Direct me, you know? Like some of you have, have realized God can be trusted and Jesus loves you. And so now we're starting to say, all right, God, I'm going to start to surrender some of the areas of my life to you. So we're kind of maybe up to our knees. Then he goes a little further. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And so now Ezekiel's seeing this river up to our waist. And again, this is the spread of the gospel back in Jesus' day. But for you and I, this is us, again, taking another step further. Maybe some of us are up to our waist. Or maybe some of us are up to our knees now, and we need to take a step up to our waist, so to speak. Again, not a literal river, but in the things of God, in our relationship with God. And so maybe we're starting at our waist level. We're starting to really memorize some scripture. We're getting it in our hearts. Maybe we're starting to seek God for some of the giftings that he wants to put in our life and use us, spiritual gifts, ministry gifts. Maybe we're starting to say, God, how can I help others? Maybe our faith is growing. Maybe we're starting to pray big prayers like, God, heal somebody, or God, save my friend. And so we're growing, and we're kind of up to our waist now. Then verse 5 is where it gets really exciting. Verse 5, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? And so now this little river, that remember, it was flowing out from under the temple, right? It was ankle, then knee, then waist deep. Now it's a river. And I just love the imagery here because a couple things. First of all, in Jesus' day, this may have been the message of Jesus going past the Jews to the Gentiles, right, to the, to the rest of the world. But in our day, I think it's the possibility and the potential that you and I have to not just sort of wade around in the things of God, but to dive into the things of God, to jump in, to get passionate and to get excited and to go really, really deep and swim around, so to speak, in the things of God. This is where we kind of graduate from getting our feet wet and wading around to diving in and swimming around in the love and the wisdom and the grace and the goodness of God. And that's what I want to inspire you to today, that you wouldn't stay where you are. And this is, I'm saying this to myself too, right? I can struggle with this just like anybody else, that I wouldn't stay where I am, that I wouldn't just be content, knee or waist deep, but that we go deeper in our relationship with God. Matthew Henry said something really cool about this. Check out this quote. He says, if we search into the things of God, we find some things plain and easy to be understood as the waters that were but to the ankles. Others, more difficult, which require a deeper search, as the waters to the knees or waist. And some, quite beyond our reach, which we cannot penetrate. But look look at this. But we must adore the depth. Okay? So, has there ever been anything that's blown your mind about God? Right? Like my kids, we talk about this kind of stuff. You know, it's like the fact that God has always been and will always be. The way they say it is it makes their head hurt right? Your head ever hurt when you think about God because it's just so big, right? I mean, I think, okay, so maybe uh, at our ankles, we understand things like Jesus died for me and he loves me. At our knees, maybe we begin to understand, okay, he must have, you know, do amazing things in my life through his Holy Spirit. And at at waist deep, maybe it's, wow, okay, I I love the word of God. I'm growing in it and and I want to be used to impact others. And then there's the point where we just start to go, God, you're incredible. I, I, I don't even know what to say right now, except I'm just going to adore the depth. 
You ever been standing on a dock? I don't know about you, but as I stand on the dock, I always think about how deep the water is as I walk out on it, you know? So it's like, first couple steps, a foot or two, you know, three feet, five feet. And then by the time I get to the end of the dock, I'm not really calculating anymore. I'm just adoring the depth. Last week on our men's retreat, uh, during one of our quiet times, it was cool. We just had time alone with God, and I'm, I'm standing on the, the riverbank, and I'm looking out at the river, and I was doing my thing. I was kind of calculating, calculating. And then as I started to think about the middle, I started to think, man, that's probably like crazy deep. I mean, there's boats going by. There's people jet skiing and skiing, so it's got to be deep. And then I started to think, man, I wonder how far it flows that way and how far it flows that way. And, and you begin to just adore the depth. And you know what? Sometimes in our relationship with God, we see new things and we gain new knowledge. And we have new experiences, but sometimes we just adore the depth. We go, God, you're so big. You're so good. Your ways are beyond me. I don't even understand how big you are, which is a good thing. I try to remind my kids this sometimes. It'd be like an ant trying to figure out why you and I do what we do. It's us trying to figure out what God does and, and, and why he does it, which is, isn't even a real great example because God's so much greater than an ant to us, right? But as we look at these things, we begin to say, God, I just, I want to go in deeper. And, and sometimes I'm going to get it. And sometimes I'm just going to have to adore how deep and wide and amazing you actually are. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you're up to your ankles, can I just challenge you to get up to your knees? To take a next step. To not be content where you are. If you're up to your knees, say, all right, I'm ready to go to my waist. If you're at your waist, it's time to jump in. If you've been swinging, swimming in the river, then I want to encourage you to stay there. And keep on growing in your knowledge, your experience, your relationship with God. Now, let me get real for a second and get a little uncomfortable, okay? And I'm not coming down on you. I'm coming down on us, okay? So I'm in on this. But could it be true that some of us used to swim in the river, but we've kind of waded back toward the shore? Could it be that some of us used to be... We were deep, man. We were out there. We were searching the things of God. We were being used by God. We were excited. We were passionate. And now we're back to our knees. Now we're back maybe to our ankles. We used to do that whole thing where we were in and we were all about it. I mean, remember when you were a kid? Some of you guys are kids here today. My kids will do this later today. When they get to Papa's house and the pool, it's pool time, they will run and they will jump and they will adore the depths, right? Remember when you used to do that when you were a kid? Right? I mean, back in the day, I mean, it was like cannonball, belly flop, pencil dive. <laughs> right? Remember pencil dive? How great was pencil dive? Because kids think even if you move your face muscles, it's like, no, pencil dive will mess up. A little bloop. You know, you've got to watch those bloops on the pencil dive, right? But remember that? Like, for me now as a 38-year-old guy, it's like if I get a toe in in the pool, it's, it's a good day. You know? Like, kids are always like, come in, come in. I was in. You know? <laughs> gotcha. You know what? I just wonder if for some of us in our relationship with God, we were, we were in a similar place. We used to cannonball, so to speak, into the river. We used to be so passionate, excited. And it's like now if we dip our toe in, it's a big deal. I just want to challenge you today. Again, I'm not coming down hard on you. I'm coming down hard on us that we would go deeper, that we would take that next step, that we would not be okay just staying where we are maybe playing it safe. And I understand, guys, there's all reasons. I was sitting with my 10th, 11th, and 12th grade community group at the Green Room Friday night, and I just said to them, guys, what gets in the way of your relationship with God? Like, what would you say is, a, is an obstacle? And they said, oh, busyness, distraction, sin. And, and maybe some of us, again, that, that's where we're at. 
And God today is just saying, hey, go deeper. Don't let those things stay in the way. Now, some of us are saying, okay, Doug, I hear you, man. That's great, cool imagery, but why go deeper? I hear I should go deeper, but why? Well, this is great because we're going to now see why we should go deeper in the next several verses. Look what it says here. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Now, our best understanding of this, like I said, one day last, in, 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 the, in the last days, there may be a literal river, literal trees, awesome. But for us, what I think the imagery is saying is that God's desiring to plant us like these trees. And we see that in other scripture. We see that in the Psalms. That we would be these trees that are strong, that are rooted, and that are nourished by the river. And that's God's heart for you and I. Again, not literally, but figuratively. This is God's heart, that we be strong followers. John Gill talks about Christians in this way. Look at what he says. Planted by the river of divine love, watered with the grace of God and doctrines of the gospel, whereby they become fruitful in good works. And that's God's heart for you and I. That's why we should go deeper. Not just because God says it. Yeah, we should do everything God says just because he says it. But he says, I love you so much. I want you to be like a tree planted by the river, strong. Verse eight, it goes on even further. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, that's the desert, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Now there's a literal place called the Dead Sea, right? It borders Israel, the Jordan, and the West Bank. And many of you know the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it. It's 8.6 times saltier than our oceans here. And aquatic life just can't survive. But I love what this verse says about it. It says, when it empties into the sea, the river that came from the temple, remember, that gets deeper and deeper and deeper? When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. I just wonder if the salty, dead areas of our lives could use a new infusion of this river of God. Just more of him, more of his presence coming into our lives and into our hearts, making what has been dead come to life. A lot of people think that the imagery here in this picture of the Dead Sea actually represents you and me, that you and I are the Dead Sea, that the river of God has come into our life and brought us to life. And so, so far, we've seen God wants us to be planted like this, like a tree by the river. He wants to bring this fresh life to what what has been dead. And then verse nine, check this out. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. So everywhere the gospel flows, it brings life. Everywhere the Holy Spirit moves, it brings life. Many believe this imagery is the hope that you and I have day to day that God is going to continue to work in our life, that we can go deeper, that we don't have to stay where we are. And the closer we get to God, isn't it true that the more freedom we find? The closer we get to God, isn't it true that the the less of a grip sin has on our lives, the closer and nearer we are to him? And so why go deeper in God? Because he wants you to be this tree. He wants you to be this this fruitful, alive, life-producing tree planted by the river. He wants the dead places in your heart to be refreshed. But that's not all. Look at verse 10. This is, this is exciting to me because this is where it takes it from being about us to being about others. Verse 10, fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglam. There will be places for spreading the nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. 
You know who the fisherman in this picture is? In this imagery? It's you and me. I love that 600 years before Jesus came and told his disciples that they were fishers of men, that this picture is in Scripture. That you and I are meant to be the people now who are those strong trees producing fruit. Our lives have been transformed. The dead place is brought to life. And now we get to stand and draw others to the life that we've found. And I love how it says that the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. There's over 700 species of fish in the Mediterranean Sea. That's a lot. A little bit different than the vast aquatic life in Lake Ronkonkoma. Probably consists of a tire, a boot, and a few dead bodies floating with the fishies, right? <laughs> Mafia. But, um, no, we're talking about the Mediterranean, rich with life. 700 species. Do you know what that means? That means that when you and I have our lives changed by the gospel, by the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, now we get a net. And we get to go and impact others' lives. We turn into the fishermen. And it's going to be all shapes and sizes. It's going to be all kinds of people that are going to be in that net, right? It's going to be old people and young people. I love that our church has such an awesome mix of that. It's going to be rich people, and it's going to be poor people, and it's going to be hateful people and angry people and jealous people and fearful people, and it's going to be straight people and gay people and transgender people that we get to point to the hope of Jesus, and he comes on the inside and transforms us. And guys, I'm just telling you, the world around us needs that so badly. And that will not happen as long as we're not in the river. That will not happen as long as we're up to our ankles or up to our knees. We've got to, as a church, dive in to who God is. Dive into the depths and see him bring others to himself. Look what it says in verse 11. This is a sobering verse. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. What does that mean? What does that represent here? It represents people who don't put their trust in Jesus. And so our, our, our strategy here at Living Word is not to try to manipulate people into a relationship with God. And so what I would just say instead of doing that is, please don't, please don't refuse or reject Jesus. Do you see what he wants to do in your life? He wants to make you like a strong tree. He wants to make you fruitful. He wants to bring fresh refreshment into your life and make all those salty, dead places alive. You need a Savior. Jesus came to die for you. He rose back from the dead so you could know him. Don't refuse him. Don't don't let your heart stay sort of that dead, salty marsh when God's wanting to bring life. And I don't talk down anybody in here. My heart was that dead, salty marsh. And God brought life by his grace. Not because I'm a good person, because he did that in my life. And check out verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither. Anybody feel like your leaves are withering, so to speak, sometimes in life? Leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. Anybody ever feel like your fruit's failing? We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But I just feel like, man, the fruit in my life, the fruit that should be there, the evidence that should be there that I'm a follower of Jesus, I just feel like it's a mess. I feel like I I can't keep producing this fruit. Well, maybe we're not in the river. Every month there will be fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. And listen to this. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Do you guys see what's going on here? So you and I are healthy, producing fruit, but the fruit and the leaves isn't just for us. It brings healing and it brings life to those who so badly need it. This world so badly 
needs Jesus. And the church has to stop running away from culture. We have to run toward it. Not so we can do what everybody's doing, but we can, with our nets, say, hey, there's a Savior, and he changed our life, and we, wanna, we want you to see him. We want you to see what he can do. We want you to, to have the hope that we have and the life that we have. And so God wants you to be that fruitful tree. Last year, I was out doing some yard work, and I heard this really weird noise, and, and we, had, we have only lived in our house for a couple of years, and so I, I just heard this really weird ne- noise. I had heard it before. I just assumed it was an animal or something, or some friends were playing a, tran- uh, a prank on me or something, but, but I just hear this really weird noise. I couldn't quite figure it out, and then I looked up, and I realized that there are these two trees right above me, and one of them was strong, living, fruitful, so fruitful it drops all that junk over my cars and my driveway all year. You know that annoying junk it drops? But so fruitful. And then leaning on it is a dead, dying tree. And every time the wind would blow, the dead tree kind of rubbed against the life-giving fold tree. And it made that weird noise. And guys, I'm telling you today that God wants you and I to be that fruitful tree. And other dying trees are going to lean against us. And we're going to point them to the hope that we have. But it's only when you and I are letting the river flow into our lives, letting the gospel flow into our lives, letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Why are these trees fruitful? One reason. Their fruit will serve for food, their leaves for healing. Why? Look, every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. That's why they have fruit on them. That's in this imagery, that river that flowed from underneath the temple. The gospel, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, bringing incredible life change. There is simply fruit we can't produce. And we're going to talk about this a lot in weeks two, three, and four. That We just cannot produce when we're not connected to the Holy Spirit and to our Savior. And so what does the next step look like for you? What does it look like to, to, to refuse to stay ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep? What, what does the next step look like for you so that you're swimming in the river again, not retreating back to the shore? Not only you need it, but our culture needs it so badly. A bunch of Christians who are real, a bunch of Christians who will love Jesus enough to be used by him, to bring hope to others. And so today what I want you to basically walk away with and think about this week is that God calls us deeper so that we can live from a deep place in him. That's his heart. There's a reason God calls us deeper. It's not just for the sake of it. It's not just so we can say, oh, wow, what obedient children we are. It's so we can live from that deep place in him, which brings life to others, which brings fruit and life and strength and health and refreshment to us. And so if you and I will say, okay, God, I'm going to respond. We're going to see some powerful things happen. You know what we're going to see happen? We're going to grow in our knowledge of God. We're going to grow in our experiences in God. We're going to adore the depths of God's love, goodness, and grace. We're going to help others find healing in him, and we're going to live fruitful lives. And so how do we respond to this? I think we pray a prayer like this. God, if I'm real, I've been up to my knees for a long time, and I want to go deeper. God, motivate. God, give me a passion for this. God, if I'm real, I got saved like 10 years ago and I went up to my ankles and I've been at church every Sunday and I read five minutes of your word every day and that's been great, but I'm ready to go deeper. God, I'm up to my waist 
and I'm thankful that I've been growing in you and, and you're starting to direct my life and you're starting to use me to bless others, but God, I want to dive in the river. Maybe if you're real, it's even saying, God, there's no part of me that even wants this. I know that's wrong. I'm so far from you. God, forgive me. Give me the motivation and the passion to take steps towards you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's taking that first step today. It's, it's getting your feet wet and saying, God, I'm going to test this out. Later today, we're going to be at my father-in-law's house and celebrating Father's Day, and the pool's going to be open, and the kids are going to be ready to jump in. And you know what I love is as Papa, that awesome Papa, way better than me as a, as a dad because he still goes in the pool. Uh, he'll be in there, and some of my kids will jump to him. A couple of my kids, if they jump to, they'd probably kill you. But my younger kids will jump to him. And you know what? They will jump to him without even thinking about it. Sometimes they jump at him when he's not even looking because they trust that he's going to catch them. Now, the reason they trust he's going to catch them is because they've done it for so many years. They've done it over and over and over again. And you know what? The first time they were going to jump to him, it took them about a half hour to get him in the water. But once they did it, they learned something. He's going to catch me every time. And for some of you, you are procrastinating, waiting. It's been the half hour out of the water waiting to jump in and see if God's going to catch you. And I just want to tell you from experience and the, the people that sit in the seats around you, he'll catch you. And when he catches you, then you begin to say, okay, he's going to catch me again. I can trust him. He's going to catch me again. And you'll spend the rest of your life jumping into your Savior's arms and watching him be faithful to catch you. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute to get your feet wet, so to speak, to test this out, test out the waters and say, God, can you be trusted? God, I'm going to put my faith in you. Show up, show me you're real, and show me you're good. And if you are a follower of Jesus, it's time to go deeper. It's time to pray and ask God for the strength and the guts and the passion to take that next step, not only for your sake, but for the sake of the world around us, who, in my opinion, needs us more than ever, needs the hope of Jesus more than ever. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, God calls you deeper so you can live from a deep place in him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, God calls you deeper so you can live from a deep place in him. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you, Lord, for the things you've done in our lives. And we recognize our incredible need for you and that we fall short in this. Every one of us in the room falls short in our passion for you, God. And so we just celebrate that together, that we need you to do something in us that we can't do ourselves and God, we, we, we start out just saying, forgive us, God. Forgive us for the distractions and the obstacles and the things that we've let get in the way. But God, we want to dive back in the river. We want to get as close to you as we possibly can be. We want to jump in. We want to not just be satisfied where we are. And so if you're a Christian and you've been at ankle depth, would you pray and ask God to take you to that next step? Would you ask his word to come alive to you? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to begin to produce some new things in your life? If you've been at that knee depth, would you begin to say, God, take me waist deep. I'm ready for a next step. God, help me to begin to explore some theology. Help me to begin to adore a little bit more the depth of who you are, God. Help me to begin to be used by you in the lives of others. If you've been there, ask God for the strength to, to dive in. God, I want to see you for who you are. God, I don't want to sit back anymore. I don't want to settle. I don't want to miss out. I want 
all that you have, God. Direct my life. God, I'm diving in, which means I'm vulnerable, which means I'm surrendering all that I have. I can't swim and hold on to something. I have to let it go. And so today I'm letting go my agenda. I'm letting go my plans. I'm letting go my anger. I'm letting go my addiction. I'm surrendering, Lord. So God, take us deeper. As a church, as individuals, take us deeper. And God, help us to run toward culture, God. Help us, God. Teach us what that even looks like. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you want to put your trust in him right now. I would encourage you to pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising back from the dead. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Please show me how real you are, God. Show me that I can trust you. Show me that you'll catch me. And God, I pray as I see how good you are, that you'll use me to make an impact on others. Thank you for this gift of salvation in your name.